I want to take a few minutes and look at Jesus, the light of Christmas, from John chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can follow through the text in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it, comprehendeth it not. Let's pray. Father, would you continue to bless our time this evening? We've gathered together. There's other places we could be. But we've gathered here because we believe it's important to turn our attention first on you. And we come to worship you this evening to remember that amazing gift you gave your son, Jesus Christ, knowing that he would endure being a man, knowing that he would eventually be rejected and crucified and mocked, and yet you gave him to us freely. We're thankful for that, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would turn our attention now to Jesus as the light of the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I don't like the dark much. Uh, I don't know that anybody does. I'm not scared of the dark. I remember as a boy, I was scared of the dark, and I didn't really want to admit it, but I was always glad when my parents made sure my nightlight worked at night. But I'm not scared of the dark so much anymore, but the dark means the unknown, and I've stepped on enough Lego pieces in my adult <laughs> life that I'm not particularly interested in what's not known. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm out in the house, but I can't always see what's on the floor in front of me. And if you've ever driven at night in the dark, you know it can be particularly scary, not really knowing what's out there if, you're, if your headlights aren't on for some reason. But there's a second reason. Much of what happens in the dark happens in the dark because we don't want people to know about it. And I don't know about you, but there's some things that have happened in my life that were evil. And uh, in, in some way, they're sort of interesting, and I wish I could tell you, but I don't want to tell you because it's one of those things I'm trying to hide. There's a, a true story. Uh, the, the only um, air in the United States, the only airline hijacking that remains unsolved today is the case of D.B. Cooper. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's a big deal in the Northwest where I'm from. The day before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man boarded a flight from Portland to Seattle. Uh, it was about a third full. He called the stewardess over, he showed her what she understood to be a bomb in his briefcase, this was before TSA, and uh, he said he was demanding $200,000 in small bills and a flight to Mexico City. Well, they landed in Seattle, they refueled the plane, they brought him $200,000, mostly in 20s and 10s. He didn't know this, but they had actually recorded all the serial numbers. They said, it'll take us a couple hours. Meanwhile, they're taking all these pictures and they put it on microfilm. They recorded all the serial numbers on these $20 bills, on these $10 bills. They gave him the, the money. He also requested four parachutes. It turns out they gave him three working parachutes and one that didn't work, but that was by accident, they said. I don't know. But they gave him four parachutes, $200,000, and uh, they took off from Seattle. They were headed to Mexico City. 
Well, they agreed they would land in Reno for refueling because he wanted them to fly particularly low, and they said, well, at the, that altitude, we're gonna burn through our fuel before we get to Mexico City. So they agreed they'd land in Reno. When they got to Reno, he was not on the plane. He had opened the rear door and jumped out at some point. Now, what's amazing about the D.V. Cooper story is they've only found about $21,000 of the $200,000 that he stole. About uh, 10 years after he stole that, not far from where I was living at the time, uh, a, a boy was raking the sand along the beach of the Columbia River because he wanted to put together a fire pit, and he came across bills bundled up with rubber bands, and they uh, were in poor condition, but it's hard to say how long they've been there, but he turned those in and they looked at the serial numbers. These were the bills that D.B. Cooper had been given the night that he disappeared from that plane, but they never found the parachute, they never found uh, D.B. Cooper, and they never found the other, what would it be, $279,000. Now, if you were D.B. Cooper, and you knew that they had taken all those serial numbers, or maybe he did, I don't know, what would you do with all that money? You may have pulled off the only successful airline hijacking in U.S. history, but who could you tell? You certainly can brag about it at work. You certainly can show them the bills and say, look how much money I got away with. You know, sometimes that's what the dark does for us. We think that our, our actions are hidden, and they are. God knows them, but we can't even tell the people. Or Even if it turns out well and we're excited, we can't tell other people about it. And maybe that's why it is we don't like the dark. Here in this chapter, we're told that Jesus is the light that shines in darkness. He is the light that is the life of men. And I think that's probably why we associate light with Christmas. I don't know for a fact. The nights are getting longer. The days are getting shorter. And we'll put lights out at our house or maybe put up lights in a tree or what have you to remind us of Christmas time. Well, let's think what it means that Jesus is the light of the world. First, it says in verse 4, in him was life, and the light was the light of men. What does it mean that the light was, excuse me, that the life was the light of men? Well, sometimes we say somebody is the light of our life, don't we? Oh, this person, this is the light of my life. What do we mean by that? We mean that's our one true love. Uh, I, I have good news. If you don't know already, my daughter Emily got engaged yesterday. And uh, she'd be glad to show you the ring. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I have a, 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 a prospective son-in-law here who enjoys surprising people as much as I do. So he talked Elsie into bringing Emily to the top of a hill near our house. And he was hiding behind the tree. Can you believe that? And when he popped out, Emily didn't even know he was in California. That's another story. He didn't lie. Uh, what he told her, she misunderstood. He said he was going to take a long road trip and a hike. He did. He took a long road trip all the way to California and a hike up the hill. And she thought a long road trip in Oregon. Anyway, the, the fact of the matter is, when, you, when you're in love like that, you say, oh, this person is the light of my life. And indeed, we ought to love Jesus. We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. But, but that's not what it means by the life was the light of men. We also talk about Jesus being the light of life because he gives our life meaning and he gives our life purpose. Now, it may be that you've been saved a long time, but think back to before 
the, the time before you were a Christian, and especially if you became a Christian as an adult, you can remember how meaningless and purposeless life was. I remember as a, as a, as a teenager saying to my parents, I said, I don't understand what the point of life is. Uh, I'm just studying hard in school so I can get a good job. I'm going to get a good job so I can retire early. I'm going to retire early so I can enjoy life before I die. I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I left out the most important part. Jesus gives our life meaning and purpose. But that's not the primary meaning of this either. The, the life was the light of men. The primary meaning of this statement is that Jesus is our hope. Amen. The world is a very dark place. I wish it were not. But the world is a very dark place. This world, the, the physical universe that we live in, is burdened by sin. Examples of that are um, the wildfires we had this past summer. When God first created in those six days, and on the, at the end of the sixth day, he looked down and he saw that everything was very good. That didn't include wildfires. That didn't include tsunamis that come and wipe out people's lives. That didn't include pandemics, viruses that kill people. All of those things that disrupt our lives, that end our lives, are a result of Adam's sin. That's passed on now to us. And because we're sinners, not only is it the world around us that's broken, but indeed we're broken. And the people we know are broken. Just this week, I heard about a, a young lady who attempted suicide. And I know of someone else in the last uh, two months that's committed suicide. And, and then my um, uh, mother's brother-in-law committed suicide. That's three in just the last few months I've heard of. These are people that are doing themselves harm. And it's an expression of their pain and their dissatisfaction with life. We see anger and rage expressed in these riots and, and destruction that have taken place in our cities here in the United States. I understand that overdoses by drug addicts are up. What's the source of all this? It's the hopelessness that we feel without Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is our hope. Into this darkness comes Jesus. He brings us hope. And our hope, let me remind you of what our hope is. Our hope isn't just that somehow we'll get through. Our hope is that one day, when we see him, we will be like him, for we Amen. shall see him Amen. as he is. That's right. We're going to have glorified bodies. Amen. There's not going to be any more temptation to sin. Amen. Now, that alone would be worth it. Right. No more temptation to sin. Amen. But not only that, there's going to be no pain in those glorified bodies. There's going to be no death. And because we're going to be in the presence of God forever, there's going to be no more goodbyes. Yes. No more times you have to say, oh, mom, dad, brother, sister, child, I'll see you later. We'll be in his presence forever. Let me just read to you from Revelation 21, verses 3 through 5, describes this time. Revelation 21, 3, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This is when there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, 
nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. That's the day we look forward to. That's the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Colossians put it, puts it this way. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him. And that is our hope. That's a hope that other... Remember, other people don't, don't have that hope. They, their hope is, okay, I'm going to retire early. Yes, but what then? Yeah. Or I'm going to amass this fortune of money. Yes, but what then? Mm-hmm. Or, or I'm going to become really powerful. Okay, but what then? They have no eternal hope as we have hope. That's the life that is the light of men. And it says in verse 5, The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. There's no darkness that can stop light. Indeed, the darker it is, the brighter the light shines. And I believe that's why God chose this metaphor for his son, Jesus Christ. He's that light that shines in the darkness, and darkness can't put out that light. No matter how dark it is, Jesus can shine into the darkness of that light. We've, we've seen, my family and I, we've seen people who are addicted break free from sinful addictions by the power of Jesus Christ. We've seen people who are hopeless suddenly have hope and joy and peace because of Jesus Christ. We've seen people who are wandering, lost in life, just not even knowing what they were doing, suddenly have purpose in Jesus Christ. That's that light that shines into darkness and no light and no darkness can prevent it. But notice in verse 6 it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And that's our job today. Let me remind you, we are witnesses of that light. What is a witness? It's a person who merely tells what they have seen. A couple of years ago, right near the church building where I was working, there was an, an accident. A couple of cars, nobody was killed, praise the Lord, but there was an accident. And uh, first the police came and they took, took, a, took a, a, a statement from the witnesses. What did you see? And we just... I wasn't there, but the men of the church that were there, they just told them what they saw. And a couple weeks later, the insurance adjuster came. And he said, I'm looking for this man, or I'm looking for this man. And we got them uh, hooked up. And all they did was they just told what they had seen. They didn't have to be an expert. They didn't have to know everything. In fact, there were, I'm sure there were aspects of the accident that they, didn't, they weren't aware of. All they needed to do was tell what they had seen. As a witness, that's what God calls us to do. What has God done in your life? What difference does Jesus make in your life? That's what a witness does. We are not that light. Jesus is that light. But we're like a reflector. We're like a mirror. And the brighter, excuse me, the, uh, the cleaner that mirror is, the more it's shined and polished, the more light that it can, can reflect. That's what our job is, to be witness of that light. Now, if you'll skip down to verse 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man which cometh, that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 10 points out what verse 3 said, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. But verse 10, when Jesus came into the world... And the world was made by him. They didn't recognize him, did they? 
That's what the verse they didn't see, they didn't know that he was the son of God. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came unto his own. Who are his own? The Jews. The, the people that God had all the way back, thousands of years previously, picked a man, Abraham. And then said, Abraham, through your son Isaac, and Isaac, through your son Jacob, I'm going to call out a people for myself. He came to the, those people should of all the people in the earth 2,000 years ago. Those people, they had the Old Testament, didn't they? They had the prophecies. In fact, we looked at it Sunday when the wise men came and they said to Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The religious leaders, they got out their Old Testament. They looked in the book of Micah. They said, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. We know that. They knew that. They had been told in the prophets what to expect the Son of God to act like, what to expect their Messiah, their chosen one, to act like. But when he came into his own, verse 11, his own received him not. But verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The good news is, Anyone in here can have that light shine on them tonight. Again, it says he, he came, uh, that, excuse me, I mean to get this right. It says that all men through him might believe, verse 7. And then in verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now I would hope, that if we went person by person, excepting the smallest children here, I understand, but if we went person by person tonight, each of you could give me a reason for that hope that lies within you. That you could tell me how you came to know Jesus Christ was your Savior. Uh, there was a time, all of us, when we were lost in our sins. That's how the Bible puts it. We were dead in our sins. But we met Jesus, didn't we? And he changed our lives. But if that's not you tonight, if you say, well... All this talk about Jesus is really nice, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. Or, you know, all this talk about Jesus being the light of the world, maybe you believe it, but I sure haven't seen it. It hasn't lit my life up yet. Well, the good news is, it can light up your life tonight. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on, this, uh, on his name. It's, it's really simple. And that is, we talked about it before, the world is a very dark place. The world is not a dark place because everyone else is insane and I'm the only sane one. The world's a dark place because all of us have sinned. The Bible says that there's none righteous. No, not one. And when I accept that, when I agree with God that that's me, that I am a sinner, we call that confession, confessing our sins. And the Bible says, if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Whosoever, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. It's like the guy in the water and he's drowning. If he just sits there and doesn't cry out, maybe he won't be noticed. Maybe he's going to go under. But if he just will yell, hey, I need help, someone will throw out that lifeline. Metaphorically speaking, that's what God says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many 
Verse 12 says, As received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you are here tonight, my, my most important message, my, my heartbeat for you tonight is to know that Jesus is that life that is your light. Do you know that? Second, if you know that, and I, I hope most of you do, what are you doing to bear witness to that light? What are you telling other people about that light? When other people come to you and say, boy, this world is a dark place. I don't know what's going to happen. Do you, say, do you shake your head and say, yeah, me neither? No, we know what's going to happen. It's going to become worse until Jesus returns and sets everything right. I mean, it may get temporarily better and temporarily, but we need Jesus. He is that light that shines through the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it, cannot overcome it, cannot put a stop to it. So what are you doing? And if you're a Christian and you've lost your purpose in life, your meaning, you, you know that you have eternal life, you know your sins are forgiven, but you've been chasing after other things. You've been looking for satisfaction in a, in a person or a job or a place or some occupation. Tonight, I want to remind you that Jesus is the life that lights our lives up. It's it's Jesus that gives our life meaning and purpose. What are we doing to reflect that light? Let's bow to pray. Father, again, we've come tonight to worship your son, Jesus Christ, and to worship you, God the Father. And to thank you for that grace, that gift of eternal life. Nothing we've done to earn it. We are, we are sinful, Father. We are messed up. We are broken. Our lives are dark without Jesus Christ. But you've shined into our hearts. And we're so grateful to have that purpose and that meaning in life. Remind us, Father, how important that light is to our lives. How without it, it is dark. There's the unknown. There's the unspeakable but know with Jesus Christ shining his light into our life, we know where we're going. And we can walk in the Spirit and have that daily victory so we can be excited about what God is doing in our lives. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here this, this evening that can understand what I'm saying and yet does not know that their sins are forgiven and that they have eternal life, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them so they could know, that they would desire to know that they are indeed the sons, the daughters of God, not through anything they've done, but because they've received Jesus, because they've believed on his name. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you don't limit your salvation to a certain subset of humanity, just these people and no others, but this is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. We praise you for your goodness, for your grace. Lord, we ask again that you would turn our hearts to think about your son, Jesus Christ, at this time of year. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.